Kia ora. Welcome to the Arise Church podcast. For more details, you can find us at arisechurch.com. But right now, we're going to hear a message from myself, our Wellington campus pastor, Chris White. We really trust you'll enjoy today's message. We've just heard three incredibly personal stories, three glimpses into the lives of three of the people who were seated at that table with Jesus that night. And it was a significant moment. This moment has been painted many times. Leonardo Leonardo da Vinci painted this in a painting called The Last Supper. And in that painting, he was trying to capture the faces of the individuals around the table, their expressions from what we know of them that we have pieced together through history. There's so much written about Jesus about this particular time, not just from Jewish historians, but from other historians, from uh, Roman politicians at the time, through eyewitnesses who were there, who had their stories gathered. But this is a particularly key moment. Jesus had all invited them around the table. And at the moment, he was about to make an announcement that none of them were expecting. So first of all, we had the doubter. Thomas, as we know his name to be. He was a guy that later, later on when others said that we've seen Jesus appear to us, he's risen from the dead. He said, man, no way. Unless I see it, I won't believe it. These were his exact words. He said, unless I seal the nail marks in his hands and put my fingers where the nails were, put my hand into his side, I will not believe. I don't know if you know people like this or maybe you ask someone like this. Can I just say it can be incredibly hard to parent someone like this, you know? Like uh, when you've got a child who uh, won't listen to your words but must experience things for themselves, it can be quite challenging as a parent to walk through this. Just by way of, way of example, we, um, one of our boys, he just got into his early teens, he's going to do a sleepover. We'd experienced those before, but we're a little bit nervous about this particular sleepover with the boys that were turning up and um, the son, who will, I'll leave nameless at this stage, um, you know, we were having a chat and we thought, oh, there's a scenario that's going to crop up tonight that we just have to warn him about. We said, hey, son, so uh, we didn't know how to, we just had to go straight up the guts. You know, had to go there straight as a parent. What are you going to do if someone pulls out some porn later on tonight? He goes, what? You know, he was shocked that we even said the word. I was shocked that we said the word. I was shocked that I said it here. But, um, but we did that. That's what you do as parents. You know, you have those moments. You're like, well, we're in, we're in there now. And uh, he goes, I don't believe you'd even say that about my friends. You know, they're not like that. You know, oh, no, none of your friends are like that. No, of course they're not, you know. But what if it does happen? Uh, But, you know, but still he was protesting. And, uh, you know, we we realized we weren't going to get anywhere. So he said, okay, okay, okay. Well, let's just just think hypothetically. Maybe one day you'll go to some sleepover. And maybe one day that will happen at some point in time, you know. What will you do then? We kind of talked through that scenario. We managed to make that happen. Well, the next day we saw him. We said, how's the sleepover go? He goes, you wouldn't believe what happened at midnight last night. I said, oh, no, we believe it. Yeah, no, sure. Uh, uh, and, and it's amazing. When you have a few of those moments come together, then that's great for you as a parent. Because, you know, now they're starting to believe that maybe we know a little bit more than they do. But anyway, the power of a doubter, though, is that when they do believe, man, you can never shake them from that belief. You can never shake them from that. That's actually a powerful thing. Thomas was that doubter. He'd seen, things, he had, he'd seen things with his own eyes. And after that, when Jesus appeared again, there was another opportunity. He actually got a chance to meet him and see him. And this is that account. It's in John chapter 20. It says this, 
A week later, his disciples were in the house again and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. That was the most faith-filled, emphatic statement any disciple had made up to that point. And it came from the mouth of a doubter. See, the thing that happens when a doubter believes, then you can never shake them from that truth. There is no shame and doubt as long as it propels you to the truth. I want to encourage you, even if you are a doubter, that doubters have a potential to become some of the strongest believers. As, that, as Thomas said in the video, doubt leads to questions. Questions lead to answers, and answers are the evidence of truth. Jesus said something very similar in the Bible. He said this in Matthew 7, Keep on asking, and it will be given to you. Keep on seeking, and you will find. Keep on knocking reverently, and the door will be opened to you. Then we had the outcast, Matthew. Matthew was his name. He was a tax collector. We didn't actually know a lot about Matthew, but we did know a lot about tax collectors in those times. They were often corrupt people. And for them, uh, they were despised by the Jews because they were working for the Romans and not the Jewish community. It was too easy for them to, to extort people for money. It was too easy for them to become rich and too hard for them to keep genuine friends. For anyone here who's working in the IRD, we, we think of you very differently. I just want to <laughs> put that out there now. You know, we like you, I think. I think some of us do. Um, and I'm sure you've got good friendships. I'm no one about casting aspersions there. But there was a well-known collect tax collector in the Bible. His name was Zacchaeus. And uh, he was a short man, had small man syndrome, and he struggled to see over people's heads. And when Jesus came... Uh, he got on a sycamore tree to try and view Jesus. Well, Jesus spotted him from the crowd. He called him out by name. And he actually said, I'm going to come to your place. I'm going to stay at your place and we're going to have a meal together. Well, immediately, everyone in the crowd start to mutter behind their breath. Oh, okay. So he's going to the house of a sinner. Because that was his reputation. He had a reputation that that was who he was. Everyone knew him to be that. No one wanted to be around him. That's what he was like. Jesus went to his home. We have no record of what took place in the home. We don't know what the conversations were, how it all went, but we do know what Zacchaeus did afterwards. And these are his words in Luke. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, now, that's, that's Jesus, now he's calling him Lord. Things have really changed. Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I've cheated anybody of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house. Somehow his old life that was filled with possessions, filled with gaining that kind of that worldly wealth, somehow it's like scales had fallen off his eyes and all of this now was meaningless to him. And the real meaning behind life, the real purpose to things suddenly came alive to him. Jesus wants to do the same for you. He wants to come into your world. The things that you know you've been pursuing, that you realize, man, this is worthless. This is meaningless. Yeah, come on. God wants to help you see beyond that. He wants to help you to see there is a horizon beyond that. There is a world that He's calling, calling you to. 
Today is a Resurrection Sunday. The power that raised Jesus from the dead is alive in us. And He wants to come alive in you. He wants to be alive in your world, alive in your life, and alive in your spirit. Some of the oldest writings in the Bible, a book called Jeremiah, I believe has something that is true for every single one of us here today. And it says this, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. God has plans for you. He made you. He knows you. He loves you. And He's got a future for for you that He wants you to grab hold of. The last person we saw was the stubborn one, Peter. Definitely a self-made man, had his own business. He was a fisherman. Uh, He was passionate, known to be a brawler. Later on that night, when people came to arrest Jesus, he, he drew out a sword, cut off someone's ear. You know, he was ready to go, that guy, you know. I don't know, maybe you're one of those people. Um, please don't get anywhere near me. But, you know, it's great to, great to have you here today. Um, but, um, you know, maybe you're the same kind of passionate person. You know, you talk good talk. And every now and then, you know, things come, come across us somehow. So here he was on that night. And Jesus, Jesus was chatting to him. And in that conversation, he said, even if the others leave you, Jesus, I would never leave you. I would die with you if that's what it takes. Man, you can count on me 100%. And Jesus said to him, you know, Peter, before the rooster crows tonight, you're actually going to deny me three times. He didn't believe it. But sure enough, later on that night, when they got separated, Peter found himself in this position, denying him once, denying him twice, denying him a third time. At that moment, the Bible says a rooster crowed. Jesus was in the opposite part of a courtyard than Peter. And they both looked at each other at the same time. And inside of him, Peter was in turmoil. said he ran out of the courtyard and he wept bitterly because of the shame that he felt in his life. But the very next time that Jesus met with Peter, he didn't bring it up. He didn't rub it in his face. He actually said, Peter, do you love me? Peter responds. He said it three times, almost like in response to the three denials. And what Jesus did was he restored him and he spoke about his future. He said, Peter, go and feed my lambs. Peter, look after my sheep. He spoke about what he's like. Jesus always offers us forgiveness. When we come to him, he offers us forgiveness. He doesn't rub things in our face. We've all fallen short, but he offers us forgiveness. And then he'll speak about your future. He'll speak about what He's called you to because God's made us for something significant. He's called us to a powerful life and He wants to do that within us. So Jesus invited them all to a special meal together. It was a significant moment. And they were used to this uh, dinner they had together. It's an ancient tradition. They've been having this dinner for over a thousand years. This dinner was called the Passover meal. And everyone would gather together. They'd eat a meal together and then enjoy each other's company. And this was particularly significant. This Passover meal celebrated when the Israelites, over a thousand years earlier, escaped being um, slaves in Egypt. And so the meal was a celebration that the old is gone and the new has come. The meal was a celebration that once we were dead, but now we're alive. And history was about to repeat itself in a very, very powerful way. So now everyone, everyone's gathered at the table and Jesus took some bread 
gave thanks to God for the bread. And then he broke the bread. And then he said something that caught all their attention. He said, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Now that was unusual. Like, in remembrance of me? Like, you would do that at a funeral. You know, what are you talking about here? Then he took the cup of wine. And he said, drink from it, all of you. Because this is my blood. It represents a new covenant, a new promise between God and His people. It's poured out as a sacrifice so that everyone's sins can be forgiven. It was a totally unexpected thing for them to hear. They never would have expected that. One thing they all had in common around this table, they were used to Jewish sacrifices. So all of them understood that. Every single one of them would have participated in this. They would take a lamb, the lamb would be sacrificed. The blood would be spilt. And that blood was like a payment for their own sin, their own selfishness. And they would make that payment and it would cover them. It would forgive them until the next time that they sinned. When he said, do this in remembrance of me, he was saying, this is a new covenant between God and man. I'm going to be that lamb. My body is going to be that lamb. My blood will be poured out, but not just as a one-time thing. It's once and for all. This is for everybody. It, this pays for the sin of all mankind. And then he said, do this in remembrance of me. And now for 2,000 years, people have been doing that in nearly every nation of the world, celebrating all that Jesus did 2,000 years ago. Thank you for joining us for the Arise Church podcast. We hope this message has blessed you. For more content or resources, visit arisechurch.com. Matiwa, see you soon.